Thank y'all so much. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to James chapter 1. Just uh, this is a, turned into a little mini series on walking by faith. This would be part three, <clears throat> or living by faith, walking by faith. And I hope that has been mentioned before by others, not just by me, but by others. During your week, when you have some, if you have any time, get a concordance and look up um, trusting, look up believing, look up faith, and, and do some research on your own <clears throat> as you... And allow the Word of God, allow the, the Lord to encourage your, your, your life with, um, with Scripture that will encourage you about faith. So what we're, what we're discussing is after salvation, once a person has been born again, once you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved, it took faith to believe in Him as the, as the Messiah, as the Savior, uh, as the Son of God, as the one that uh, died on the cross and was raised from the dead. It takes faith to believe that, but it also takes faith to take the next step after salvation to believe Him for today and to learn about Him and what He's wanting to show us about today. And I am more convinced than ever, more convinced than ever, the idea, and you've heard me talk about this in the past, the idea of different classrooms. I believe God takes us, allows things to happen. He, he permits, He's sovereign. He is uh, all-powerful. He is in total control. He never goes to sleep at the will. He allows things to come into our lives, no matter what it is, and, it, and for different people, it's different things. It's different lessons, different classrooms, but they're all intended to teach us about who He is and to get to know Him better, that we would be able to trust Him more, and that we would have the faith to Believe Him and trust Him, even when your circumstances do not look good at all. Even when our circumstances are the darkest and the, the bleakest they've ever been in possibly your life, He is getting us to a place that even when and if that day comes in your life, you can say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So this is just a verse in James that this kind of, we've used it before. It's talking about it, verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, wisdom, we've defined it and it's been defined so many different ways, but seeing life from God's perspective. And I think if you're an honest believer, you're telling the truth with God, and you're, you're, you're not full of pride, all of us need to admit we lack wisdom. 
And we need some wisdom every day. We need a good dose of it every day and probably multiple times throughout the day. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's who, to, folks, please. And, and I, my heart is just full of love for everyone, but I'm telling you, you ask of God. You don't ask your friends on Facebook. I mean, I think that's become such a substitute. And I don't even do Facebook. I don't even know a thing about it. I've learned, I'm learning things. People tell me there was a term the other day that I'd never heard of the term. But don't let the social media become a substitute for going to God. Going to God to get answers for life. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's all of us, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask, and this is what I wanted to just remind you of, of what we're talking about. We're living by faith. But let him ask in faith. You could ask all day long, but if you're not asking in faith, what are you going to get? A big zero. You're not going to get any wisdom if you don't believe God's going to give you wisdom. If you don't ask in faith. You know, and again, please understand, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm just saying, back when I started out in the ministry, and I left HPD, and I went to our first church, I had one sermon, and I already preached it about five times. And I came across this verse, let him ask of God, if you lack wisdom, I said, God, if there's anybody I've ever known in my life that lacks wisdom, it's me. What am I going to do? What do I do next? By faith. We stepped out by faith, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But if you lack wisdom, but let him ask in faith, not wavering. So I would encourage you, whenever you're facing your trials, whatever it is, your circumstances of life that God has permitted in his sovereign will, his sovereign grace, then we have to ask God in faith. Now then, turn again, if you will, to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Basically, today there's going to be really just one point. I'm, I'm learning, you know, we, we, I used to have three, three points in a poem. Um, in seminary, they taught us how to do, you know, the outlines and things with three points. Basically, it was always three points. But here recently, I think just it's kind of important if we could just walk away with one thing to remember. I think we'll do well. Look at verse 23 of chapter 8 of the book of Matthew. Very familiar discourse, very familiar passage. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. I just, I, I hope you can try to get this picture. Anybody of you, Dwight, I know you've canoed. You've been out in a canoe. Have you ever been out in any rough weather in a canoe or in a boat 
rough weather. How many, anybody here ever been out, in, you know, little John boat or little boat and it's gotten rough out there? Mark, I'm sure y'all have. I mean, certainly. You know, Lake Conroe, we've been in, that's like a bathtub effect, that Lake Conroe, that north wind blows. And we've been down so deep in the swell when it was the swell, we would go, we've been in so deep that you couldn't see out the other side. That's how rough the wave, in a little 14 foot flat bottom boat. And we're bailing, we're bailing. We had a, a milk jug with the bottom cut out of it and life jackets. We had our kids. And we're bailing water, and it's coming over the sides as fast as it, and we're bailing water, just like, you know. And you know what happened on that lake? It was a norther blew in on us. We didn't know it was coming. I didn't have a smartphone at the time. And a guy in a larger boat got, came with a big powerboat, got in front of us and made a wake. And, he, and he, he motioned for me to follow, and we followed him into the shore. But he made a wake. I mean, we were going. Uh, there were other boats out there, bigger boats than what we had. They were sinking. And so that's one time. I was out in uh, Cotton Lake one time uh, with Brother Melton, one of my pastors. And we were taking him red fishing. And uh, we got out there in a little V-bottom. The V-bottom that I took out to the street, I told you all about last time. Took it out to the street and sold it to pay rent. It was a nice little boat, too. But um, what I mean, the waves. Rod Edwin was down. They were all just down, hiding under, and the waves coming up. Oh, this this is amazing scene, and it's important for you to get the picture. the The waves, the water, was coming over the ship, but Jesus was asleep. Pretty incredible. He wasn't asleep on the job. He was at peace. And verse 25, And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful? Now I want you to, I want you to put yourself, I want you to listen, I want you to try to identify with these men. These are these disciples. You need to... If we're going to learn from the Lord, if we're going to learn from His Word, you need to put yourself in there. I mean, don't criticize them. You know, we would be doing the same thing. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little? And you need to highlight, you need to make note, you need to pay attention. O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. I think there's something to that. The wind and the sea. The wind and the sea. But the, the sea was coming over the ship. And there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? See, these are lessons that everyday life lessons that God is taking us through, just like he did the disciples, that we would learn. It, this is about learning to lean, learning to trust him, learning, 
learning about his nature, learning about his character, learning about his promises. And, and it's, I believe, and you're going to see this through this message, as we go through life with each level, if you will, of testing, it is to, for us to gain confidence, not in ourselves, but confidence in him. Confidence in what he has said. Confidence what his promises are. So our faith is tested by the storms of life. Call them classrooms, call them whatever you want. Name it, you can name it, you can write it on your notes. Whatever you want to call it. But our faith is tested. And as we think about this, when we get to the very end, we're going to be having to ask ourselves at the end of the day, would others and would the Lord believe that we have little faith or large faith? Is our faith small or is our faith big? And, I, and I've, I've jotted down just a few, but listen, you can add to this list. There's so many things, but I just thought about this one idea of standing alone as you're a young person. And we've seen this. You know, you can't be at a place as long as we've been here since 1986 and see people, see them born, see them crawl, see them walk, see them sing in the choir, see them graduate, see them walk away into uh, adult life. But along the way, there are challenges, I think, for all of us that involve standing alone. And some of you young people that are here now, the others have gone on before you, have either passed the test or failed the test of standing on the pressure that other peers place on others. It's so it's so amazing. It's referred to in the book of Proverbs. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And they say, come with us. Come join us. Come, we, we lay wait for the blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Come join us. Y'all come. Be like us. It's, isn't it incredible? Isn't it incredible how they want us to be, to join them? I think, Aaron, didn't you mention that last week about alcohol? People that drink, they don't want to drink alone. They want to drag you into it. They want to make, get you, you know, it's okay. That's why this push, you know, for wine and all this stuff, it's because they don't want to do it alone. They want you. They want to join. And I don't know what it does for their conscience. I don't know what it does, but they're wanting you to come join them. And that, that's the idea. And we are told, we are told to follow the Lord. And if everybody around us is cratering, everybody around us is turning their back on the Lord. And we've had several come through this church and end up in adulthood and turn their back on the Lord. Several. And if everybody else turns away, our faith will be tested. Your faith will be tested. My faith has been tested. Will we stand even if no one will stand with us?
Will we stand if no one, even if no one stands with us? How's your faith holding up? Young person, how's your faith holding up? You know, you've heard this. It's when we're, it's not we're in, we're in the group in the gym that we're tested as much. It's when we're alone. That's when our real, the real test comes with our character. When we're really by, we think we're by ourselves. But are we holding on to the promises? Have we, no matter what, who else is with us? Are we standing firm on what we believe God has said? So in the area of standing alone, would you say that your faith is little or large? Little or large when it comes to standing alone. And then I've listed others, and I've not, not gone into it much, but I mean, you know, when you are facing, and we're, we face issues with our job, that has to do with finances. Job changes, pressures. Some of you have been facing, you've been facing the mandates. If you, if you don't give in to the mandate, then you're going to lose your position, lose your job. That means lose your income, and that means you're either going to have to go get something else somewhere else. It's not may not be that easy, and it may not be in your field, but all that turmoil over that. So, and, and may I just say, I, I've never said this publicly, but I, I think it's the right time to say it now. My wife and I prayed about it. I'm 74. I've not, I do not have, I've had a series, I've had pneumonia many times, several times, I've had fungus of the lungs, my lungs are not in great shape. It would not, I don't think it'd be good for me to get COVID. So I've, I've been very, very careful, and so far God has, God has taken care of it, and I may get it tomorrow, I may get it now that I mentioned it, I may end up getting it, I don't know. But we prayed about it, we were vaccinated. We haven't taken a booster. We're back. But I want to say publicly, we did that because that was our, we prayed and that was our choice. But we stand totally against the government mandating that anyone inject anything into their body that they don't want to go into their body. Amen. It's, it's your choice. That's what America's about. It's freedom. We chose to do it, but we don't. I hope you don't look down on us like, well, they've got to be liberal or they've got to be weak in their faith. No, we prayed about it, and that's how God led us. But I don't look, I, we, don't, we don't look at it like, oh, but everybody ought to. That's socialism, communism. That's not American. And so let's, let's, get, the, let's get our priorities straight. But you, job issues, finances, our health, you know, our future. Our, our, will God, our, the future of America, the future of your family. You know, how many times have people said in our lifetime, oh, I wouldn't want to be bringing up kids in, in your day and age. We heard that when we had ours, but I wonder if anybody, you're, <laughs> these young parents, all these babies around, isn't it wonderful? I just love all these babies. We just love them. Love to hear them whining and crying and parents having to go out and take them out and for, you know, just for the sanity of everybody. But it's okay. 
We love babies. We love families. And a crying baby, listen, I've preached, I've had, a, I've had a platform, and I had a, like a four or five-year-old doing a twirl around me while I'm up there preaching, and they just going around and around, parents didn't do one thing. We've had a parent grab a child, he was making a little bit of noise, had a parent, and I didn't agree with this, but he grabbed him by the earlobe and lifted him up about two feet up off the ground by his earlobe, in church. That's called, today, that's abuse, right? So, but we've had it all, we've had all kind of distractions. We love kids. We love children. And our church, by the way, our church loves children. But are you concerned about the future? Are you concerned that God's not going to supply our needs? Are you concerned that all things are not really working out for our good? You see, these are basic promises of God. And, you know, we, we've got to get to those, we've got, we've got to get those down that we do believe that all things, all things are working together for good to them that love God. And God is on his throne and he is in control. And don't lose sight of the fact that he is allowing some things, I think, to teach us to trust him more. So let's just think about it. And Linda read this quote to me yesterday. She gets all these things, smart things. And I, I didn't even know who it's from, but I liked it so much. I'm going to try it. And I just wrote it down. I, I thought about it this morning while I was having coffee. She read it to me yesterday. I didn't write it down. But it was something, and some of you might have even seen it. The Lord loves us just the way we are. But he loves us so much, he won't let us stay there. Did anybody see that yesterday? Did y'all get it? He loves us just the way we are, but he loves us so much that he won't let us stay there. He's The, the idea, folks, he is trying to help us gain confidence. Increase, go from little faith to big faith. Little faith to big faith, to trust Him. He's wanting to build our faith. He's wanting to grow our faith. He's wanting to increase our faith. And He does it through circumstances. I think, I think it could be said, it's kind of a lot of times like baby steps. Or even lifting weights, which I've never really done, but I have—I I've, I've have picked up a, a bar or two. I mean, a, you know, the—I did the bar because I didn't want to put weights on it. But um, but you but you lift. You don't start off with 400 pounds. You start off with the bar. You do that a few times. You build up, and then you get where you can maybe do 25 pounds, maybe do 50 pounds. And then I've seen these guys, you know, that do 300, 350 pounds, bench press, and all that stuff. God is developing, building our faith a lot like that. That is an analogy that you can say that God starts us off small, and He adds, He builds. Once we see Him and we gain confidence, that's why I've referred, I've told y'all early on in our day, early days of ministry, I journaled a lot. And there are a lot of teardrops on those pages. 
because we were agonizing. We were hurting. We were in unfamiliar territory. We were in areas that we had never been before, and we certainly didn't know if we could stay. But it's the confidence that God is building step by step. It's like building blocks or whatever you want to say, whatever kind of analogy. He's, he's building your faith. He's wanting to increase your faith. He wants to get you away from little faith to big faith. And he's never, ever in the business of destroying your faith. You can mark that one down. He, God is not wanting to destroy your faith, your confidence in him. Satan, see, that's why you've got to be, have wisdom to be able to discern where are these voices coming from. You've got to be able to detect. Is that from, did that voice come from God? Did that, did that sentence, that thought come from God or did that come from the devil? You got to know the difference. My wife and I'll be having conversations and stuff and I'll make a statement. She said, oh, where did that thought come from? Did it come from God or did it come from the devil? And it's important that we continue to go back to that. Where did that thought come from? When you have a thought, where did it come from? And God is not, he, God is wanting to increase our faith not destroy our faith. So whatever you're facing, God is going to use it to increase your faith from little faith, become more faith, and then big faith. Now, Jesus asked these disciples, why are you fearful? And I want to give credit. I, you know, I hope y'all don't get bored with me giving credit to people that I read, but I think that's the right thing to do. I think the others call it plagiarism or some big. Uh, but Dr. Blackaby, and he's one of my favorites right now. I've been that way for a long time. Um, he points out a few things that are so that fear and doubt. When we are fearful and we have doubt, it's an indication that we really don't know our Heavenly Father as we should. Right. Somebody say amen. Somebody write that down. Somebody, do we have a, a, what is that they say? Do we have a report? Do we have a, what? Do I have a witness? Do I have a witness? That's exactly right. I, there you go. It's an fear and doubt. When we have fear and doubt as we're going through life, it's an indication that we really don't know our heavenly. We don't know. We, we act like we do. And at church, we sing about him and we write a check. Hopefully you're writing your checks and, you know, giving to the Lord. Uh, but, it, but the bottom line, when you have fear and doubt, it's an indication that you really don't know the Lord like we should. It could be that you have a lot of head knowledge about God, but you haven't developed a total confidence in his character. See, if, you, if we could just begin to understand his character, like when I started this series off, talked about, you know, God loves us so much and it takes faith to believe that he loves us the way he does. It takes faith to believe that God really does love us that much. Because you see, you can have people, people, humans, Say, I love you one minute, and the next minute they say, I don't love you. 
So we need to have total confidence in his character, in his power, in his ability to control a situation. And another thing I'd like to add there, I'd like to remind us that God always writes the final chapter. So don't jump too far ahead and think that it's over with till God does write the final chapter. God allows the impossible circumstances to become possible because all things are possible with him. And he wants us to see that he is the only one that can resolve our issues and our problems. There's a terrible danger, and I want to issue a warning. There's a terrible danger in the mentality and the philosophy of you've got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps straps, and when we begin to take credit for ourselves. When we begin to take credit for whatever is happening, and, and Deuteronomy 8, I'm telling you, that's, that, you know that was a chapter that when I had the tumor in my throat that I had a doctor that was a doctor in the Houston area. He was a nutrition doctor. And he actually, he told me that I had about six months to live because he said it's not just a tumor in your throat, it's, it's a malignant tumor. And then they did the surgery. You know, I'd been told don't let him cut because if they cut, then it's going to get in your bloodstream and all that stuff. So they, 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 I, we decided, look, I can't live with this. I've got to know more. So they went in, did surgery, and they literally cut out that tumor that was in the back of my throat, had to rebuild my palate and my uvula, the hanging down thing. It was all, it was all messed up because of this big tumor that I thought was just a muscle because I, because I was a preacher and I, I yelled a lot early on. And uh, I thought it was a strained muscle, you know. And, uh, but so God took me to Deuteronomy 8 during that time where I thought I only had six months to live. And I was begging God, God, I, I, my kids are little. I just, let me, let me, I want to see them grow up. So they did the surgery and they've come to find out it was not malignant. They had did all that repair and all that work in there. And it, it's kind of a, you know, you think about it, it's to kind of don't think much. I mean, you take it for granted, but I'm up here speaking, you know, with all that that I've had go on years ago. And it's, I mean, it, it's built my faith, but Deuteronomy 8 and, and the early verses, the first few verses, what really that God was prove thee and humble thee and to prove thee to know what's in thine heart. That's what God was showing me. He wanted to show me what was in my heart. But then over as you go along in the passages where uh, verse 11, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou, and this, this is a whole list, when thou have eaten and you're full and you've built goodly houses and you're dwelling in them and your herds are multiplying, your flocks are multiplying and your silver's increasing and your gold is increasing and you're getting all this wealth, your stocks are growing, you're not stock stocks, but your animal stocks, your herds, your flocks, 
and your gold. It's all multiplying. Then thine heart be lifted up. That's pride. Then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget that the, the Lord God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, who led thee these that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness. He led them and fed them. You can remember that. He led them and fed them. Uh, with manna which the fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and they might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. It's that warning in Deuteronomy 8 that, you know, it's easy to forget that it's the Lord that's done all this. It's the Lord's character. It's his power. It's his, his might, his sovereignty. He's the one. He, it, you, we haven't done anything. It's all about him. And you don't pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you don't uh, take any credit for anything. You don't walk after other gods when you begin to lose sight of what has happened in your past and God is taking you through. And then you don't obey the voice of the Lord. It says that in verse 20 of that chapter. So the warning is very clear. You have, we have to be very careful that as we're going through life and God is answering and doing great and mighty things, that we don't get very proud in our hearts and we start saying, you know, really, I worked hard in college. I worked hard in college and I, I paid the price. And look at the, uh, what I'm reaping now. So you have to be so careful. Yes, you did work in college. You didn't stay in the hammock and sip iced tea. You did, you did labor. You did work. But guess who gave you the strength to even write? The strength to stay up at night. The strength to take the step before you. It was the Lord. He gave you. He's given it all to you. He's given it all to you. And so we need to remember that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So this whole series, this whole message, everything is about learning to depend totally every step. And you cannot, we cannot look at our circumstances and have our faith go up like a thermometer when it's hot or when it's cold and say, well, things are going well. So my faith is great, but things are not going well. My faith is shattered. You know, we've got to be careful that we understand it's from start to finish without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, what about when we pray for our church? I'm, I'm excited to see a good group. It's always exciting, but I, I just believe that in our experience, we've, we've met people, and please don't take offense to this, but we've met people that fits into at least four categories. Okay? One category would be we've met people in church that come to church that 
have little faith. They have little faith. We can, we can encourage, we can preach, we can, you know, but they just, their faith is small. They just don't have, they don't have big faith. There's another group in churches that I'd call the doubters. And, and I want to be careful here because I really, it's, they, they want to run a church like a business. They, they, want to, they want to run it like a hardware store. And I'm going to tell you, ministry and church is not like a business. It's totally different. I mean, it just, you've got to keep good records and all the things. Yes, you've got to be diligent, but it's still not a business. This is really, we are totally from day one dependent on God to do it all. So there are the doubters. They are the doom and gloom. You try to encourage, you say something positive, they yeah, but. Yeah, but I've seen that before. And then I'm going to give you another category of people. And you and this, this is comes from experience. But I can prove it to you. Don't ask me to, but I can prove it to you. <clears throat> there are those in this group, not necessarily in our church so much, but it could be, that do not. You've got little faith, you've got doubters. But then you've got others that really don't want to see us succeed. Do y'all hear me? Do y'all hear what I'm saying? There are those out there that do, they, they hear through talk. Man, did y'all know the attendance is way down at North Belt? Did y'all know the finances are way down at North Belt? And down deep inside of them, they don't want to see us prosper. They want to see this thing collapse. That's, that's what they want. And blame it on, well, it's the way my parents raised me. And it's that seminar thing we went to and North Belt. And we've had to have a detox session from North Belt. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're where you are because of the choices you've made. You're living, you're living out the results of what's in your heart. And nobody made you do anything. But I'm, some, of the, some of the proof is really showing up in the pudding from what I'm hearing. And I wouldn't be bragging about it and, and proud about it. But there are some, maybe even here, I don't know, but there are some that really don't want to see us succeed. And then there are some, and I hope it's most of us, that have big faith. That have great faith. It's not faith in the preaching. It's not faith in the preacher. It's not faith in anything but the very character of who God is. And God, it can be trusted he is the faithful one, and our hearts and our loyalty, our, our desires are for Him. And He can blow it all away, or He can prosper. I've seen Him. This church has had so much money come through, and we were giving it away to family. Do y'all realize that there was a day that we used to give couples, when they had a, a birth, 
in a family, we'd give them a check from the church treasury. Can you imagine a church saying, yeah, go have babies and we're going to give you money for it. Because we love children. But you see, that doesn't mean that won't ever happen again. You never know what God's going to do. But I would encourage, if, you've got, if you're little faith, let God build your faith. If you're a doubter, learn more about God. Spend time in His Word. Get with Him. Find out what He's trying to say. But don't fall into that camp of, well, I really hope they don't succeed. I hope they have to close the doors. But be somebody that's got big faith. Now, I mentioned this last week. Doubters, those that don't have faith, may cost the rest of us spiritual blessings. And this is not to put a guilt trip on anybody. But this, it's uh, the ten spies. I'm using that as an example. Ten spies. Two had faith. We can go in. We, oh, they saw the same giants. They saw the same obstacles. But, but eight said, now, nah, and it was majority rule, by the way. Majority rule. So they decided we can't go in. So the eight won out. They doubted, they were the doubters, and it cost the rest of Israel 40 years. And some never even went into the promised land because of the judgment. Now, two believed God, two trusted God. Let me read, let me read another passage to you here. Matthew 13, if you want to turn to it, Matthew 13. Fifty-three down to fifty-eight. Listen to these words, and this is this is convicting. To, should be to all of us. <clears throat> and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogues, insomuch that they were astonished and said, "Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this, listen to these questions, these discussions going on about Jesus. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? And are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? So they're, they're questioning, but they're doubting. And they were all offended in him, but Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And look at 58. I've got it highlighted and underlined in my Bible. Number 58. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Folks, based on the spies that went in, to the promised land, they searched out the, the uh, Canaan. Based on that, based on this verse, I'm telling you, if we have doubters in the crowd, there is a possibility because of your lack of faith, our church may have to go longer before we see God's prospering hand. 
That's not a threat. That's just based on Scripture. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Folks, I would encourage you, if you're here today and you've got unbelief, you have all these doubts going on, you need to deal with it. You need to, you need to, uh, you need to deal with it and, and deal with the doubt. Dr. Blackaby said this, and this, you have to think about this because to me it's very deep. He's, but I want you to listen to this because it's ministered to me this week. The moment you turn to him with a genuine commitment, now we're getting close to the invitation, okay? The moment you turn to him with a genuine commitment to rid yourself of doubt, you say, okay, I, I'm a doubter. I don't, I don't think things are going to go well. I, I don't, I'm not trusting God. I'm just looking at the circumstances. The moment you turn to him with a genuine commitment to rid yourself of doubt, God will match your doubt or replace your doubt with a revelation of himself that can convince you of his faithfulness. Be sincere. During the invitation, when it comes, be sincere that you, you're, you're not happy with your doubting, that you're doubting the Scriptures, you're doubting God, you don't, you don't really believe what He's going to do. Be sincere about it. And God is going to match your doubt with a revelation of Himself. This building block, these stages, once you overcome, once He takes you through it, and then you have confidence, I've seen Him do this. I've seen Him do this. And He meets you. You get to know Him better. Then the next time, and the next time, and the next time, I believe it's all the way to the grave. Thomas doubted. Said, I will not. Unless I do the certain thing, I'm, I'm not even going to believe. All of his doubt disappeared. Jesus taught his disciples through a growing relationship with himself. He taught them. He did small miracles. You study his life. Study the Gospels. He did small miracles, then he did larger miracles, and then he died on Calvary, and then he was raised from the dead. You just have to see the progression. Starting off small, it's okay. Small faith, little faith. But you grow, and as you're growing in the Lord, you don't want to stay with little faith. You want to have big faith. I think God is wanting to encourage all of us to replace our doubts with Him, with, him, with who He is. Dick has taught a couple of times, and he's referred to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think that's an example of true faith. They, but it was not faith in the fire department. It was faith in God. And even he's able to deliver us. And if he doesn't, we're not going to change our view. Right? Even if he doesn't. That, that's not a lack of faith. That's just confidence. God can do it, but if he doesn't, we're not changing course. God's looking for people. He, this message, look, this is not, we're just not exercising, you know, the muscles in our jaws. I mean, 
He really, this is the sovereign hand of God. He's brought us here today. He knew who would be here. And he's looking for people, believers, who are willing to step out and trust him by faith with the impossible. What just doesn't seem like it's going to ever happen. And, it, and certain things may not happen. They, there are things that happen in people's lives. You say, wow, why do they, it's got to be something wrong in their life. No, it doesn't. Now, Satan wants to distract us. And, if, and please, again, I hope you know my heart. If he can distract us over the debate over masks or over vaccines and get us distracted, then we're distracted from the mission that God's really called us to, and that's to live by faith and walk by faith. He's wanting to reveal himself, reveal his plan through his word to each of us. Peter walked on water until he started looking around. And he saw the wind was boisterous. And the Lord said he was afraid. And he, oh, thou of little faith. Where, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you start doubting? You were doing okay. Now, I want to give a little personal testimony about a couple of things. April of 1975, we had been called to Riesel Baptist Church. I had no, I was a deacon in First Baptist Church, Laporte. I had supplied, preached in different places, filled in the pulpit for different ones, but I had no pastoral experience. They extended a call for me to be full-time. I didn't understand. They thought that meant get a job and do this too. I didn't know that because their former pastor was a football coach or a coach in the school system. And I didn't know that. And I, I said, I've, just, I've, got to, I've got to have time to study. I don't have a one sermon. And um, so it was always, all, God, when the, from the day we left the Houston Police Department till the day all the way through Riesel, it was a lot of it was about salary. Because it's a small little country church. I mean, on a big day, on high attendance day, if you had 65, you had a lot of people. That's, that's the big day. That's when they had dinner on the grounds day. Average day was 35 and 40. And that was the average day. And then in those little churches, there are power struggles. You know, it was majority rule, power struggles. One power, one group, one control, the other group. So we dealt with a power struggle. We dealt with finances. They didn't, they didn't, they were going to pay us, I think, $50 or $75 a week. I don't know if finally they bumped up to $100 a week and the house. A man shot my dog. He didn't die, but it was shot, had a bullet hole in his stomach. We came home to visit family, and I had about 25 white leggings that just really started to lay. They were just pullets. Came back and every one of them were gone. I reached out to the colleges around there, to the technical college in Waco, and I'd take my little, we had a little gremlin, and it only held about five people. We'd go pick up people, and one of them had to be a black guy. And that's when all that uproar over blacks coming to church. They didn't want any blacks coming to church. They had it in their minutes. If a black person came in the church, they were to have prayer and get up and dismiss, walk out. 
So we dealt with all of that because we weren't ministering just to white people. We had a youth group come, all the youth. We invited them once a month into our home. I don't remember how often, but they were the, the, the seniors and the juniors in high school. They came, they'd sit down in our living room, and we'd have fellowship, and we'd have Bible study, and we'd sing, and, and we'd have a good time. And one of those girls ended up getting pregnant. And, um, and she came to us and said that she was pregnant out of wedlock. And there was no hope for her to marry. And her parents were telling her, now I want you to hear this, her parents were telling her to get an abortion. And she came to us and said, what should I do? Now, if you, I, I mean, I, was, I had jet black hair, just left the police department, and we said, you know, this is probably one of the only times, one of the few times, only time that we've ever said, go against what your parents are saying. We said, you can't have an abortion because you'll be murdering that baby. And so she took that and she went home and said, the pastor said, and the Mrs. Hovey said, that, uh, that I can't have an abortion. So the daddy showed up in our driveway one, one day, and I never will forget a sunny day, little gravel driveway, real short, small little wood frame house. And he drove up and Linda was in her 20s. I want y'all to get this picture. Linda's in her 20s. And I gave her a 38 revolver in her hand and she stood behind the door frame with a pistol because this guy was threatening my life. And he drove up and he's yelling at me and I come out in the front yard, and he's over here by his truck, and he's yelling. He's saying, you stay out of my family's business. And he said, you, you're telling her that if she has an abortion, it's going to be murder. And he reached under his seat of his truck. His door was open. He reached under his seat of his truck like he was going for a gun. And he said, if you don't stay out of this, there is going to be a murder. Now, see, today, it'd be a whole different story. I'd be out there with an AR-15 and, you know, <laughs> bulletproof vest and the whole thing. It'd be a whole different ballgame, okay? But I, I was out there just empty-handed, and I gave the gun to my wife. But she was in her 20s, standing there as a young girl standing there with a gun in her hand thinking, I'm, I've got to, I'm going to have to do something. Can you imagine? And they made her get an abortion. And she got an abortion. But guess what? God writes the final chapters. One day in Waco, she was at a WMU. Anybody know what WMU, Women's Missionary, what, Union or whatever? Anyway, she was at a conference in Waco and she ran into this girl and that girl had married and she was now a pastor's wife. She had children and she said, God, God had used her in so many lives because of her trial, her experience. She was able to turn around and help other young ladies that were going through similar issues. And she said, so, yes, I had the boy. She said, I can't look at a baby. I can't look at a baby without thinking about mine. 
She said, I just can't, I can't even see one without thinking about mine. She said, God's using us. He's not finished with us. And he, she was a pastor's wife. Folks, I'm going to tell you, those days, it took a lot of faith. But, you know, I stand here and not, not proud. I'm telling you, I'm standing I'm standing confident in the character of God. I'm standing confident in the power of the Word of God. I'm confident that God has set forth a path for Northbelt Baptist Church. And it's not, for 36 years, it's not been absolutely rosy. It's been some hills and some valleys. But I stand here and I promise you, according to God's word and our Heavenly Father, He is not through with North Belt Baptist Church. And we have a bright future ahead of us. So the question is, where's your faith? What kind of faith? If you were to go today, this moment, before the Lord, would He look at you and say, I wish you would have had more faith. I wish you wouldn't have been in that, that group of little faith. I wish you weren't in that group of doubters. I wish you weren't in that group of hoping they don't succeed. I wanted you to be in that group, that majority, that those faithful ones that drive and drive and spend gasoline going to be, who knows how much, they're still driving because they, they are confident in what God is doing in our church. And it's all about Him. It's not about us. And it's not faith in faith. It's faith in God. Faith in His Word. Faith in His promises. And I stand here today as your pastor. And I encourage you, join us. Join us. Let God develop in each of us. He's still working in my life. There's so many things He's doing in my life. This very day, this very moment, to build my faith in Him. But I say this to encourage you. Don't leave here today with little faith. Let's leave here with confidence that God is on His throne. He does keep His word. He does keep His promises. And we can trust Him even when it doesn't look too bright. Let's stand together. And we're going to have our hymn of imitation.